Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Amanda. Amanda is the, a third time podcast guest. It's been a while, it's been a couple of years since we've chatted on the podcast. I'm like, I have well over 300 episodes now and it was like a hundred and something last time we were on. So it's been a little bit. Um, so Amanda served in the Air Force for six years before trading her combat boots for a diaper bag. She became a stay-at-home mom and military spouse, both very rough things to be. Along the way, she started a blog, Airman to Mom, to share her journey of going from airman to mom. With a lot of twists and turns along the way, she now works to help young women as they consider military service through a podcast, Women of the Military, a mentorship program, and her new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I always send people your way. Did you change the name of the podcast? No, it's it's always been women of the military, but people oh. do get confused because the blog is airman to mom. But oh, if see, you send them, they should be able to find it. Okay, good. Because I often recommend your podcast for people to listen to. I actually, fun story, last, um, last semester, my women's psychology class, I presented on an article. We had to present on articles our professor chose and we had to choose which article we wanted. And I presented on one about women in the military and coming back from deployment and stress and alcohol use and stuff like that. And um, I actually mentioned your podcast at the very end. I'm like, if you all would like to listen to some stories about women in the military, check this out. And so hopefully I got some listeners going your way because I had, we had some really good conversations going on and people obviously had a lot of misconceptions about, you know, the military and being in. And I mean, I've never served in the military, but I know people who have, especially women who have. So I have that, and we've had quite a few on the podcast. So I have that perspective, but yeah. So I send people your way all the time. Thank you. That's so awesome. And you've been doing it a while now. Like, yeah, this is my fourth year. I mean, yeah. not as long as you, but. <laughs> oh, you're only a couple of years behind. It's okay. Yeah. Like I, this is the sixth season, so it, but it doesn't turn like six until October. Um, Cause yeah, I was early on it when you started yours, but yeah, you, you wrote a book. What inspired you to write this book? So I created a girl's guide to the military as like a freebie to get people to sign up for my email list. And I was like, how am I going to find girls who want to serve in the military? But they found it. And I was like, and I'm not very good. I'm getting better at marketing, but I wasn't very good at like marketing or like getting reach. And like people were finding it. I put it on Pinterest and on my blog and tried to share it on social media and whenever I would like run ads on Facebook they would do really well and I was like this is so weird like (laughs) I didn't know that this topic was so popular but I was like trying to find a way to help people and so that was like a clue that a the guide is not enough it's only like five pages 
and it doesn't cover enough of the topics, but also like the need was there. And so that was what pushed me to start writing and create a book. Yeah, I I actually know a lot of women that consider it and um, young women aren't typically people my age. We're, we're past our prime for the military. <laughs> people my age are usually like getting ready to retire from the military. Um, but yeah, a lot of, and they have a lot of hesitation and they don't know what to do. And, you know, they've heard, uh, older, uh, stories from older women who have, ex- you know, served in, and don't know how it may have changed. I mean, how like six or seven years ago, we didn't even have women on submarines and now we do like it is changing and changing quite rapidly. When you think about the whole expanse of the military, like, Um, so yeah, what, what do you find is the, the biggest struggle for women, uh, wanting to serve in the military? What is their biggest, like, I I need to know sort of thing? Well, I think the biggest struggle that women have is that like, they, they only think of men being in the military. There's kind of like Mm -hmm. this stereotype that you have to be a man. And then I've had women that have downloaded my guide who have talked to, um, uncles or cousins who've served in the military and they're males and they're like you can't be in the military you're a woman and like there's still that stereotype that pushes people away and like everything that i've seen that the military is marketing is still like directed towards men and then they're like oh yeah and women too but oh yeah and women too is not enough to convince someone to join the military and I mean, some people, I mean, women obviously do, but I think that there needs to be a big shift in focus of like providing resources directly for women because there's things like periods and pregnancy Mm -hmm. and, you know, abortion and like all these topics that like don't apply to men at all that they don't even think about that have a real impact on how you're going to serve. And so if you're not talking about those topics, then it kind of makes the military not feel like a welcoming place for women. Yeah, what, it kind of is. Why do you think women should be in the military? For I mean, me, I agree the, with you. I'm just being the devil's advocate. You're being a good. <laughs> I think the military is a good opportunity to help you to get out of a situation or to get out of a place that you're in. Like, I joined the military to get out of my small town and to mm-hmm. be able to see the world, and it opened doors for me in ways that are so crazy like I was going to school to get a degree in math but I because I liked math but I didn't know about engineering I didn't know that like when I went and talked to the person about math he didn't say like oh you know there's other degrees you can get with math that are like more hands-on he just told me like you can be an accountant you can be a teacher that's what you can do with math and I was like really like that's it and then I I joined the ROTC program and they're like, why are you doing math? You should do engineering. And I learned like this whole different side of the world that was closed off to me. And I think that's what the military can do. Like by moving across the country, meeting different people, doing career fields, make sure that you take a lot of time and research on what career fields right for you and not just be like, Oh, that one, Yeah, (laughs) which is what (laughs) a lot of people do. And so I think that it really can change your life and it is hard. I mean, as a military spouse, you know how hard it is, but it's really challenging. But I think that the hard things are worth it. And I think some of the really hard things like military sexual trauma and 
and those sorts of issues are really hard, but that's because people aren't talking about them. They're not making mm -hmm. sure women are aware of the danger that they're in. And there's no support network to help women if they find themselves a victim. And so I'm trying to change that with the mentorship program. And then also the book being real about what challenges there are and then how to overcome them. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that we can make a shift of that these challenges become less and less, like the more that women are in the military, the more we're talking about things, more there's a push to like support women in the military. Um, I'm hoping that we'll see that less. Um, because even my spouse said like, they have these stupid ass trainings they have to do, but like, there's no accountability after the stupid ass trainings. Cause I asked him, I was like, you know, this was years ago. And I asked him and I said like, well, what happens? Do, like you guys do this training every year. Like what happens? What are the consequences? How do you keep people accountable? And he was like, that's a great question. <laughs> I was like, okay, well you can, I can sit here and tell you drugs are bad all day long. <laughs> like if there's no accountability or consequences, like how is that going to stop you? You know, like it's, I think it's just a very silly, like cool. I'm glad you're spreading awareness, but like what happens after you hear this same spiel every year about please don't sexually assault people. Yeah. Well, and the military is really good at checking the box, but not like even with like transitioning, like transitioning needs to change because the current program isn't like it's run by people in the military. So it's, you know, but when vets have that I've talked to have tried to like break the system. They're like, well, we're meeting our quota of what Congress tells us to do. And it's like, let's get beyond what Congress tells us. Let's do the right thing instead of right. what check the box. But the military is so like mission focused that it's really hard, especially while you're in the military to make that shift. Yeah. <laughs> um, they kind of like, and my spouse is like, well, in boot camp, they kind of like break you down so that they can build you up in like the manner they want you to, because you're there to, to, to take orders. He's like, the military owns you, you sign a contract, you are theirs. And I mean, yes, there are limitations on what they can do to you, but like they do, they can tell you, they can be like, I like, you know, there was like a big uproar in the military about when they were requiring COVID, I guess they've like COVID vaccine, I guess they've like kind of like loosened the, like um, loosened that where it's not as like you have to, or you're getting kicked out. It's kind of like scaled back a little bit from what I understand, but like there were people saying, you can't make me get it. No, no, they can. Cause they own you. <laughs> like my spouse had the anthrax vaccine and that wasn't even FDA approved. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, they do. And that's the sacrifice that you're signing up for. And I think that you should know that when you're joining, like what you're signing up for. But I also think that if you have the right mindset of like, I'm joining because I want to get the GI Bill or I want to get the heck out of where I'm living and get out of this situation, you can use that and not get brainwashed as the military yeah. does that like you have to keep serving you can do those four years and get out use your benefits and like start your whole life over but I think the military kind of at least for me when I was doing ROTC they were like you have to do 20 and I was like 
but my mm-hmm. contract says four. And then when I left at six, I felt really guilty that I didn't do 20, but like, it wasn't the right decision. But if you yeah. have that like right mindset of like, why are you serving? What do you want out of this? And then make that decision. You can always change it and stay longer, but you should know like what you want. And like, maybe that's what you want. I want to serve for 20 years because I want to get the retirement. Well, that's something you can do. Well, they've now shifted the retirement. Yeah. So you don't walk away after four or eight or 10, whatever years with nothing because before it was like you either right. did 20 and you got to like have a retirement pay or you walked away with nothing, but what you contributed to the TSP, which is like for people who aren't in the military, it's kind of like a 401k for the military. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no. The new retirement, um, the blended retirement, I think that's what it's called. I don't know. That's what um, it's called. That, yeah, yeah, me. <laughs> um, is the Navy will match up to a certain percentage or like a certain amount what you contribute to this fund. So you can walk away if you're smart about your money with thousands of dollars, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars in your pocket or in your bank account or wherever they put it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's still like, in your TSP. Oh, it's still in your, well, that sucks because that's where they match it. it They they match it in your TSP, but yeah, yeah, that's in the book. I talk all about it because it, it, it's a big deal. And like, it's changed, it changes. And I think that like also changes like the mentality of, because before it was like, I did six years and I didn't get anything. And so you were like, oh, I have to stay for 20 so I can get the retirement. But now it's changed. And they have like a bonus at 12 years where you can get a bonus to stay in. What? So, yeah. That's, that sucks. <laughs> I'm like, wow, my spouse missed that bow. I mean, <laughs> I love that. But um, yeah, the it, it, it is the mentality is you have to stay in 20 or you kind of like, you know, especially once you get past like that 10 year point, like you have better stay in 20, might as well. You're already halfway there. And I think that um, people need to know, like, you don't have to, you can walk away. And my spouse always tells people who want to join, like, pick a job, like a rate that you, it will teach you something that you can use outside the military. So then like, it can translate to a civilian job, or like even to a degree that can get you a civilian job. Um, And then, you know, now you've not only walked away with you know, whatever, like now the TSP and stuff, but you're walking away with skills that will get you hired someplace else, like that you can use outside the military. So that's always his advice for anybody who talks to him about joining the military. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And the fact that you can also pull, maybe you do a career field that you think you're going to like, and it's like so boring and you don't like it. You can pull like the leadership and like the different trainings that you've done from the military and use that in the rest of your career or helping you decide what your next career should be. Like you already found out, I don't like doing desk work. So I need to find something where I'm like out and about. And, and then, and you can also use tuition assistance to get your degree while you're still on duty. And I was so, going to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much. People don't know that as they think, oh, I'm going to have to use my GI Bill while I'm in the military to get my degree. No, while you're in the military, you can actually work on a degree pretty much for free. 
Um, and then save that GI bill for when you get out. So like, for example, my spouse, the bachelor's degree is done in the military. And then like after use the GI bill to get a master's, like, it's like, great. Cause you won't have any student loans. I do. <laughs> but you can also transfer your GI bill. You have mm -hmm. to, there's all these rules. We can't, yes. I mean, they'll change, but like right now you can transfer it at a certain point. I think it's six years and then you serve another four years and then you can transfer it to your spouse or to your kids, which is what my husband did. Yep. And then I'm planning to use my GI Bill next semester, actually. Yeah, we talked about it. It was too late by the time I decided to go back to school for that. Um, but also he wants to get a degree. He wants to be a math or science teacher. Uh, or high school teacher. So like, you know, if we're in Connecticut, you need a master's degree to be a teacher in Connecticut. And so, you know, it works. It is, it's fine. I mean, it's not going to waste. So that's all that matters to me. Like, don't let that GI bill go to waste. Use that. You earned it. Yep. So you're, you are able to, while you're going to school, use his GI bill and then you're using your GI bill to finish off school no I'm using my GI bill oh okay <clears throat> my post 9-11 I GI thought you were saying he, trans he oh, transferred God. it to our kids oh gotcha not to me because I don't need <laughs> it because I I already have four years so um yeah I'm going to use it for I have to go back and do some undergrad work because I'm not getting my master's in engineering and so I'm going to use it to try out a few different things that I'm considering for my master's and then go and get my master's, which is nice because I have four years. So I have the flexibility of time of like yeah. not having to pick a degree program like right now. Yeah. My, um, my daughter, Audrina, she wants to be an engineer when she grows up, but a robotics engineer, she wants to work on robots. She wants to build robots. She's going to build me robots. She said to clean my house since I hate doing it. <laughs> we need to have an offline conversation about tesla ai and what they're doing <laughs> and oh, that's what she's interested in yeah i've heard tesla's doing some crazy stuff but yeah that's what she's interested in and, and if we stay in connecticut which is the plan uh the university of connecticut actually has a, a really good engineering program so awesome. they just started an uh robotics engineering program like last year so i'm like well kid i mean she's in sixth grade she may change her mind but like if she sees interested and girls in stem oh the 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 financial aid the grants the scholarships are there the yep. girl will not have any issues getting her college paid for but anyways yeah so engineering like even though you're not gonna go into that field you got some experience that can help you do what you want to do in the future mm-hmm for sure. What, yes. What do you think is the, what do you think is the most beneficial reasons for a woman to join the military? Like you talked about why you think they should join, but like, what, like, what are the benefits like for joining the military? So I, Besides, like, learning leadership, seeing the world, like, those sorts of things, I think the best benefit is actually when you leave the military, you get to be part of the veteran community, and the veteran community is the most amazing thing of, like, 
you can go on LinkedIn, connect with people who are veterans. And then if you tell someone like, I'm a veteran and I need help finding a job, like people will just help you find a job because you're a veteran, like veterans want to help people. That's kind of something that's in our nature of like serving our country. And so they want to find ways to continue serving. And so I've gotten involved in different women veteran organizations that has been amazing to not feel so lonely as a woman veteran. And then also Mm -hmm. there are so many different veteran organizations. There's Student Veterans of America, which I'm excited to join when I go back to school. And there's like Vets to Industry to help you get a job and network. And Women Veteran Alliance is the uh, women veteran organization that I'm involved in. And there's so many great resources if you decide to get involved with the veteran community that can really help you. Yeah. And you've been out for a little bit. Have you seen, because people hear the horror stories about (laughs) the VA. Have you seen improvements in that since you've been out? So when I got out of the military, it was kind of like, not frowned upon, but like, I didn't file a VA claim. It's very different than the advice. They were like, how do you feel? And I was like, fine. And they were like, okay, you don't need to do a claim. And so I didn't do a claim. And so I haven't like, I haven't dealt with the VA because okay. I haven't used my GI bill. Um, I went to the VA website and was able to navigate and find proof that I have my GI bill. And I, but I haven't had to use the VA services because- yeah. I'm not enrolled in their system. And so I know that a lot has changed and that now they tell people to file claims and they mm-hmm. help people like get their claims started and pretty much everyone getting out does a claim um, and then they see if they qualify. But when I left, it was like, you only need a claim if you're like broken and, and <laughs> which is like the opposite of what's true. You can get like, right. now you can get, if you get hurt while in the military, even if it's just like, you know, you have surgery on your knee or I had ear surgery and I could have claimed that and I can still go back. I just, it's a lot harder now that I'm out and I've been out for a while. Yeah. Cause I have to go back and look at your records while you were in the military. Um, yeah. Nowadays, most people encourage just to try like for people getting out to just try to do a claim. Cause most people will walk away with something because you developed, they can't prove that the thing you developed while in the military wasn't caused by you being in the military, right? Like, so a lot of things, like it could have developed because of the stress you were under for the military or the experiences you under, you're under, or like on submarines where they eat like shit, like maybe that's why you developed yep. this health problem. <laughs> so like, whatever it is, um, for the most part, a lot of things can, you know, get you and and by claim is like you can get certain benefits from the VA if you qualify because of you know the medical issues you developed while in the military um as long as it wasn't something that you they have like documentation that you had when you joined the military chances are there's a good chance from what I've been told most people walk away with something maybe not like everything but something yeah and you can get health care like and once you get in the system you go to the doctor once a year and if something comes up it's easy to add it to your claim but if you don't take that step like i did <laughs> then it makes it all a lot harder so i imagine that's in your book where you tell people yes 
<laughs> they yeah. need to do that. The book ends by talking about transition. And so, yeah, it talks about like how important that is, because I think you have to start thinking about transition from when you start joining the military. That's what I was going to ask if you, uh, I was going to ask if you think it's just people joining the military that are interested in your book, or there are women that are currently serving that are also interested in it? I would say like primarily it's for girls, like high school students, junior high. But I think that there's benefits if you're in like your first two years of military service, or if you're like coming up on your first enlistment and you're trying to decide like if you should keep going because you might not have went through the steps of figuring out why you might've just been like, I got to get out of here and sign the paper and not really thought about the benefits. And so the book can really help you figure out like what benefits there are, what you want to do, help you remember why did you join? What are you looking for? And then use that information to help you decide if it's time to transition. Do you talk about whether they should marry somebody else in the military or not? (laughs) Yeah. We talk about, I talk about dating and I talk about the challenges of being dual military. And I talk about the challenge of being married to a civilian spouse and all the different things that, and single parenting and being a mom, all those things, because those are things that women need to work, not worry about, but that women deal with when they're in the military. Yeah. I asked that because like that can add like a whole other like late from what I've heard it adds a whole other layer if you are dating in a relationship married to somebody else who's in the military and we had talked on one of your previous episodes how you go with your spouse um to events and they only see him as the veteran and they kind of ignore your military experience yeah I'm more vocal now I make sure they know (laughs) I'm so proud of you that's awesome (laughs) as you should be (laughs) <laughs> I mean, COVID kind of stopped events, but I'm I'm more vocal now. I mean, events are starting back up all over the yeah. place. Uh, we were just, I am looking into conferences to speak at about my research that I I'm doing or I did I completed it. Um, and so like they were all like virtual, and now they're all in person. So you're presenting in person, and I was like. Well, I'm really good at presenting over video because that's how I do most of my interactions, but I can totally do in person too. So yeah, they're starting back up again. Yep. Yep, they are. And and we talked about in one of your episodes how it was a bit of a transition for you to go from like, I'm serving to, to now like, I am a military spouse who served because I feel like you have a unique perspective that military spouses who did not serve do not have. Right. That's true. You, you know, you know, that side of it, like what it feels like to be deployed, what it feels like to have to go through all these things where like military spouses who don't have that experience or just know what it feels like to be. And now, you know, both what it feels like to yeah. be on the end of like somebody deploying and what it feels like to have deployed. Yeah, I think the more powerful thing is that I have the experience of being a military spouse because as a service member, you just don't understand what it's like to be a spouse until you're a spouse. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can sort of understand what it's like to be in the military because, I don't know, it's just everything's focused on the military member and like there, but the spouses have to take a backseat role and sacrifice in ways that 
military members don't. And you just can't really understand that. Like, it's so much harder for me to PCS as a spouse than when it was in the military, because I would just go to work. And then I'd yeah. have people that I knew and I would have stuff to do. And like, when I PCS by myself, I have to like, find friends through magic, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and so it's a lot harder to do that. Yeah, the military member, you go to a new command, and even if you don't know anybody, it's kind of automatic, like you belong, like you're yes. one of us. And that doesn't really happen for spouses, because then you go and you're like, I don't know anybody. And even if like you like connect on a military spouse page or something, like you still don't know anybody, right? And everybody is just like, there's, there's not as much camaraderie in the in military spouse community as I see with like the actual members like active duty members like they're just like hey buddy like I don't know you but like now you're part of us <laughs> or hey lady but I think they still call women buddy too like probably <laughs> or bro brah my kids all the time are like brah and I'm like what the hell is that my my kids say that too and I'm like where where does that come from oh my gosh kids are a trip and in in uh, you know, also, if you have kids and you're moving as a military spouse, you have to deal with all of that that comes with that. You know, kids have a really hard time sometimes because they have to leave their friends. They have to make new friends like they're going to a new school. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of stress that um, the military members don't always ne- don't always have to necessarily deal with. Yeah, so for sure. It's definitely different. It's it's definitely different. But um I honestly think like as a as a military spouse, somebody can't really understand what it's like for the active duty member to be separated from their kids. Like unless they've they've dealt with it. Because they feel like I don't know, my spouse has said like he just felt like disconnected and that he wasn't part of the family anymore because like you were not around and so it was really weird it's a different sort of experience for them yeah but you that's why that's why i left i was gonna say you had your kids after you left would you um would you suggest the same thing for another woman who is gonna have kids I think it's a personal decision that you have to make on your own. And I also think that the military has changed a lot since I left, because when I left, it was six months after giving birth that I would have likely deployed. And now it's a year, all branches, and you get 12 weeks of maternity leave. And it was only six when I was in. And so I think those two changes really kind of changed the dynamics of like, what it means to stay um, in the military after having kids because I think three months off after you have a baby is like a good amount of time to help six weeks you're like barely recovered from having a baby let alone you know having the baby and taking care of them and I don't really know if three months is enough time but it's it's twice as long so that's a good start and then the fact that you get 12 months to recover before you have to take your PT test and that you uh, go on a deployment. I think that really changes like the conversation of like what would have happened in our family because it would have been a lot different to leave it a year 
than to leave at six months. Yeah. And then you got to think is like, what if you and your spouse are both deployed now? Who who are you leaving your kids with? Like, I mean, I know they try not to deploy spouse at the same time, but like needs of the military, like that trumps everything else. Yeah. And like, if you have a civilian spouse who isn't, you don't have to worry about that. That changes the whole dynamics. Or maybe you have a parent. I've heard of parents coming and living Mm-hmm. in the state or city that the the kids are so that they can watch the grandkids and not disrupt their lives so like depending on your support network i think that has a real impact on deciding like what you should do but i don't i wouldn't recommend anyone say oh well, amanda did that so you should do that like yeah. i think you have to look at your own life situation and like and even what career field i was a civil engineer and we were on like six months on six months off deployment tempo which meant that like that's why the six months was like I probably would deploy and I didn't want to do that because my deployment to Afghanistan was really hard without kids and I couldn't imagine doing it with a six month at a hold at home yeah my uh stepbrother and his wife are dual military and her mom uh lives with them to help out uh, unfortunately during COVID her mom was sent back to the States, um, because they weren't allowing anybody who was not military to be on base with them. So, cause they were overseas. So right. yeah, it was, it was a mess. Cause they were like, what do we do? Like now we don't have this person. We were expecting to be able to help with our kids and stuff. So, I mean, I saw some of their posts. They don't like, they don't post a lot and don't share a lot. Um, but yeah, I've heard, I heard, I saw some posts about her mom leaving. And I also heard from my sister about like the struggles that they were having with like, you know, like all of a sudden, like, cause of COVID, like the, the rules changed and now it's screwed everything up, but now her mom's allowed back. <laughs> Thankfully, but, but like, but that's like nice. a huge challenge. Yeah, that's a huge challenge. And the fact that, like, they didn't have control over it. It was like, nope, this is a new rule. And you're like, but this is how we're surviving. I knew someone when COVID happened, she had, like, six weeks left in the military. And her husband was in the military. And they were, like, and all the daycares were closed. But they still had to go to work. And they, like, had to work strange hours to get all their hours in. And it was, like, she was, like, I am so glad. I'm getting out of the military in six weeks it was pre-planned but like it was really hard for them because she was like if I wasn't getting out I don't know what I would do because I can't keep doing this for you know like six weeks was long enough and she was transitioning out but like it was not they yeah they make they didn't they don't make it easy no and and I think people like overlook that the jobs not just the military but uh, all around the people who didn't have, they couldn't work from home. They didn't have choice. They actually had to go to work and now they have kids and daycares are shut down. Schools are shut down. Like, Oh, I mean, I'm thankful. Like I worked from home at the time and um, I was going to school online. So like I could be here with the kids. It was kind of like a chaos because I'm trying to do stuff, but my kids are older too. So like it wasn't as bad as like somebody who had little littles. Like, how do you keep little littles from coming into the office and like bugging the crap out of you, you know? And and if you're in the military now, it's like official business. I put that in quotation, but like some serious business going on. And if you're working from home 
and your kids are like running amok. Like, how are you going to talk to like some four star general from your office with their kids screaming in the background? Yeah. It's just, you know, and so, yeah, I could see how getting out might be the best option for some families, depending on the dynamic. And then for others, it might work if like my stepbrother and his wife, like if you have a family member who can move with you places and help with the the childcare for your kids, like that's a great option, but everybody's situation is different. For sure. I mean, that's the theme of the book. Like don't do what someone tells you to do do what you think is right for you don't do what the recruiter tells you the job to do do the don't do the job that has the bonus do the job that's right for you like and that's like a continual theme and like everything don't get out because you think that you should get out and use your gi bill but you really want to stay in but you're like i shouldn't like do what is right for you and figure out what that is and I think that's a really hard thing for military members because the military, like you said, you go through basic training and we get told this is what you need to do. And like it, so I guess that's why it's such an important thing for me to talk about, like as a young person, picking all these, making all these life decisions that you think about, what do you want? Because I still struggle with figuring out what I want I know. <laughs> today. Yeah. yeah, I know. And I'm in my now late thirties. I was reminded of that the other day. You know, you're in your late thirties now. Yes, thank you. I realized that you don't need to remind me. I appreciate it. And I did the calculation the other day. I made my mom a grandma when she was younger than me. So I'm just like my oldest better just not do that. Um, (laughs) I honestly personally feel like 18 year olds are way too young to be making like very serious life decisions. Their prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed at that point. So yes, they should not be saying like, this is my forever thing. Like this is what I have to commit to for the rest of my life. Yeah. And the prefrontal cortex development is like so in the benefit of the military. And that's one of the things that veterans have such a hard time is because they don't act like normal people because they went through basic training when when the last stage of their brain was developing and they learned how to be an adult by what the military taught them so they do things that civilians are like why I remember when I I got out and I volunteered for something and I was like you need to do this 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 and this and they were like hi Amanda how are you and I was like oh yeah I have to like socialize and like be friendly and not just like get the mission done because that's what the military taught me and so I've had to learn like to change and like how to restructure that because that was what was programmed into my brain get the mission done we don't need small talk we just get the mission done yeah and a lot of veterans have a hard time transitioning because like that like you join when you're 18 your prefrontal cortex isn't even developed yet and even if you only stay in for four or six years now your prefrontal cortex i think it's 24 stops developing um so now that's all you've known now it's going to be a very difficult all you've known as an adult now it's going to be a very difficult transition to a world that is not the same yeah and they don't talk about that enough and like how that impacts you because i think if a veteran knew that when they're transitioning you're different this is why it's not because you're crazy 
it's not because yeah. you did something wrong. Like, this is why I, there's actually medical science behind why you act the way you do and why you're different than your peers who didn't serve in the military. And I think that's like one of my like main frustrations. Like when I found out about that, I was like, what? <laughs> like now it makes so much more sense. And now I understand like why I am the way that I am and how the military like had such an impact. And you're right. It's just those like four years you know, that's a huge impact on your life. It's such a pivotal time and people don't, don't realize it. Yeah, exactly. And that is why people should get books like yours, listen to your podcast, learn from experiences. You know, I'm very passionate about people listening to stories and learning from stories. <laughs> that's the whole point of this whole thing is, you know, and you interview a lot of women who have been in the military with like diverse experiences so they can listen, learn, get your book if they're interested in joining the the military or or learning more about it. If they like got that little inkling, like maybe, I don't know, because you can join the military like up until what, your late 20s, like something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact cutoff. It's like different for every branch and then it's different if you want to be an officer. So I'm not. But yeah, I know you can join through your 20s. I think you can even be an officer through your 20s. I know that. Yeah, I think 30 is the cutoff for officers, but I think 30 is the cutoff like for, for anything. Too. Yeah, okay. I think so. It's 30 or 32 or something. I know through your 20s, you should be relatively should be able minus like if you have some certain health problems, but like you should be able to join the military. So there might be people listening who are a little bit older, not 18, but are like, you know what? I'm in a position in my life where I'm thinking I might need a change. And that might be something that helped me out. And, you know, get your book. <laughs> yeah. Amanda, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I just want you to know the importance of your story and the value of sharing it. I think that's what's so great is you have so many diverse stories. And like, I have a podcast of women who serve and like, those stories are so important. And it's so important that you talk about your experience so that other people can know about your experience and get a different perspective than what their bias or their worldview is shaped. So share your story and know that your story matters. I love that. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.